Yo, this is Velvet Jones. Hey guys, my name is Pasquino. This is KK. Yo, this is Opaka and you're listening to Left and Right. Exclusive by Solstice. Today we're joined by Kitura with a special guest mix and interview. Let's keep it locked in for that one. Probably worth mentioning that that interview was recorded in January before the world went mad. Just so you don't get confused. Go time, I roll it, don't with the grind and I run it, hope with a 
respect my mind, no doubt from less, y'all
the guest mix and interview with Katura. It's coming up very, very soon. So keep it locked in for that. it right now. This is by Nuisance. Get him on soundcloud.com and that's N-U-S-N-C-E. Baby, I 
to all our past shows on SoundCloud. The sun was shining on you. Make sure you follow us, soundcloud.com slash left and right MCR. And this is the sound of Aaron Brockovich. I had my mind made up.
Train. It's just released his edits volume one on SoundCloud. Go buy that now. Musicians, artists, DJs need as much help as they can get at the moment. Thank you. 
What's up, you're listening to Left and Right, and joining us today is Manchester bred London based Katura. She's DJ, founder of Soul Future Club, resident of Foundation FM, all around six selector. How are you doing today? <laughs> Thanks for that intro. That was very kind of you. Um, yeah, I'm really good, man. All right, all right. Um, so, for people that don't know, can you tell us a bit of um, background, how you came from Manchester and uh, made your way to London? Yeah, so I am from Manchester, as you said. Um, I've been in London about eight years now, seven, eight years. Uh, got a job. I used to work at Radio One uh, and One Extra, and I was there for a couple of years, and then left the BBC, doing my own thing now, and I've stayed in London, um, and then started DJing around 2014, 15, I think. Uh, bought some decks. DJing was something that I wanted to do for a while, like from back in university and at college and just never had the chance to do it. So when I moved here, um, decided to buy some decks and sort of just kept going from there really. Started a couple of club nights, did a few events with friends and then ended up doing Soul Future Club, which was uh, a monthly club night as well as the um, online guest mix series. So talking about uh, Soul Future Club, um, so where did that start? So Soul Future came off the back of wanting to showcase lots of the music I was finding online, like particularly on SoundCloud, and all of the like bedroom and DIY producers who were kind of like do making this crush on music, a lot of it based around like remixes and taking samples and vocals from like 90s and 2000 records and just making brand new sounds out of that, um, fusing all these different genres. So, you know, from uh, future bass to like ballet funk to Kuduro to bits of Caribbean sounds and soca and all that kind of stuff and just making really cool music with it. So the idea or the ethos behind Soul Future was taking it off the internet and put it into a space essentially um, and booking DJs and producers to come and play who really like pioneering, I guess, online um, a specific genre or a specific sound. So half of it is sort of like the club and the events and the other part is like guest mix series and just letting like people showcase the best of what they're into and what they make really. Yeah, so it's like interesting like you're saying about all, all those different genres you just listed. I guess um, collectively is that something we call future beats now because we've asked pretty much every guest on the show now what they think of that and everyone says something else but would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd probably say like the umbrella is kind of like maybe future sounds um, and within that you have all of those subgenres. I think what I really like is they probably, if you take one of those tracks it might fit under three different genre categories and I kind of like that it's not really about for me it's, it's less about the genre classification and more about like the vibe and how I'm able to weave between all of those different sounds like to make um, a really interesting set so you know I might start off with um, some like K Trinada 115 BPM style house and then end up playing something a little bit harder and then it goes into some like Afro kind of bass and then into ballet funk and then before you know it, you're reaching like Jersey Club and then you might end up on some grime. So like I really like that the 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 mixture of the um, the the DJs the producers and the artists that are really just like mixing and combining all those sounds and just really just creating what they want. Like no one's really pressed about you know what genre category it fits into. I think it's just more about the sound and like what you're able to create. Yeah, so that makes like probably the most kind of eclectic uh, sets I've I've heard in sets anyway. So having said that, like, where do you think this genre is is heading in the future? Um, I think it's. I think, for example, someone like Catronada, maybe five, six, seven years ago, was sort of like I guess the first to be able to break out of that like underground SoundCloud bubble and um, start like experiencing mainstream success. So I think that sort of style of 
house slash R&B, um, future R&B, I guess, if you want to call it that. I've heard of post-hip-hop as well. Oh, really? People love that term, post, don't they? Post this, post that, I don't know. Uh, whatever you want to call it, I think there'll, there'll always be moments where something is going to stand out. And I think, like, for now, for example, um, in mainstream, you've got a lot of trap that's popular um but on the other side you've also got like dancehall and caribbean sounds and all of those elements are already in like a lot of the the future sound scene so i think at some point the, the dots will start to connect and there'll be one or two tracks that break out of being in that sort of like soundcloud and that underground bubble and hit the mainstream um but i don't know i hope for the most part like mainstream doesn't really get to catch up with underground like i hope that it continues to develop um and sort of like remains on the ground i guess because i guess once it's gone mainstream it's, it's gone <laughs> yeah and it's interesting you said like a uh, ballet funk i don't think a lot of people ever would have even heard ballet funk if it wasn't for this whole soundcloud underground future beat scene and i don't know there was an advert on recently that had like a ballet funk i think uh, chanel so it's about as mainstream as it gets i'd say um but yeah, I guess at underground it will always evolve on the underground. But do you see this going mainstream at all? Or uh, I think there's always the possibility. I think, like I said, at some point I've seen that. I remember that this producers um, guy called Kashmir Cat, uh, Drew Vandal. There's lots of people that have had uh, mainstream success already. You know, they work with, like with big hip hop and R and B artists. So it, it has the potential to. But I feel like it's so it's so DIY and it's so um, it's so underground and it's so. I guess in a, in a sense, like it's so mismatched that I don't know necessarily if, if mainstream is ready for that. But you know, a lot of a lot of mainstream music is very formulaic and it works that way, and that's why you know music becomes popular because it's there's elements in it that are easy to identify and people can you know that there's a beat pattern or whatever it is that um, people get get behind. And I think so much of the future beats and the future sounds stuff is still so experimental and it's still. Like the desk I said, there's no rules, like you've got five genres in one track, but somehow it still works. And I think what I found from DJing and being in spaces where it might not necessarily be like a strictly underground crowd, like people don't know that they like something until they hear it in in, in a context that works for them. So, you know, the, the beauty of all of the remixes and the edits is, okay, you know the vocal and you've got something you can sing along to, but the beat is probably nothing that you've heard before. Like... I could play something and the, the person listening might not be, be able to identify it as Bailey Funk, but that's what it is. And you don't even realize that that's what it is. So I think if we take away the, the genre classifications and the names of stuff, like there's a lot more stuff that can break through just on the basis that this is it's good music um, and it's relatable. And there's that, like I said, the, the, the really clever thing about the remixes and the edits is combining something that you're familiar with and something that you're unfamiliar with. So there's always the, the possibility, but I, I just feel like it's so, it's so organic and it's so uh, it's so DIY that it might be a little bit more difficult for it to break into mainstream. And I guess uh, the lifeline for that would is SoundCloud, yeah. And um, you know, there's, there's some people who say, "Oh, SoundCloud was peak 2014 or whatever they're saying." So, um, do you see that still being the platform going forward? Because a lot of people are saying it maybe not got long left. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll hope that it remains to be um, a key platform. I think when people talk about like peak SoundCloud, that was you know before all of the copyright and all of the the, um, the ownership and the infringement stuff was was really prominent, and before labels really started to get on board. And I think what you found was it's still a very important uh, platform for 
producers who are new, DIY, experimenting, you know, like the chance the rappers and the people at that level, it's probably not beneficial to them anymore because they can make money from streaming services, you know, in a way that you can't on SoundCloud. So I don't think, I don't think it's lost its uh, its purpose and I don't think it will, I don't think that's diminished what, what it serves as a platform. It's still like a great place to build a community. I think like with everything, if you give people too much choice, eventually, you know, they will go somewhere else. So if you've got SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, I don't know, Deezer, there's like 1,500,000 of these streaming services. Um, at some point, you will probably gravitate to one more than the other, depending on what you're into. But I think from a producer and a creator's perspective, SoundCloud is still an important... All right, um, so uh, let's talk about uh, Foundation FM, which you are a resident on, uh, recently featured uh, us with uh, Left and Right on there, so thank you very much for that. Um, you know, whole whole show was really good to listen to. Um, yeah, tell us about that, how, it's, how you got involved with that and what Foundation FM is all about. Yeah, so I've been involved in Foundation since the beginning. It's only just over a year old um, station based in... Uh, South East London in Peckham and the ethos is really like showcasing and pushing um, emerging uh, female producers and presenters and kind of giving giving us a space to like to freely do um, what we want and to get behind the, the sounds and the producers and the artists that we really want to push um, and really want to showcase so I've been involved since the beginning um, I think my first show went out on the launch day um, so I have a two hour slot bi-weekly so every two weeks and it's a two hour um, what they call quote-unquote specialist slot and I kind of say the strap line for my show is um, the freshest selection of feel-good music from the future and beyond so essentially it, it ties into kind of what I'm about as a DJ and what so future is about it's really about showcasing new music um, so it's not strictly like future sounds I also will play a lot of like alternative R&B and alternative hip-hop but it's really about yeah showcasing emerging talent and people that are kind of just really excited about and I think um, should be heard all right cool um, so I mean we've got to talk about it uh, the boiler room set you know um, how did that come about so, well, I actually got uh, offered to do a boiler room a year and a half before I ended up doing it. Um, I think it was maybe like April 2018 I got offered the first time and I couldn't do it. I was away, I was out of the country at the time and sort of like kicking myself off the back of that. And then the opportunity came around again um, in September and I sort of didn't really feel ready. Um, I kind of feel like boiler room is such a huge platform and such a great opportunity um, to showcase yourself and to build on your fan base I really just wanted to feel like musically and sonically I was where I wanted to be and I was able to showcase the best um, of what I'm about and I didn't quite feel ready but I also felt like the opportunity to come up for a second time it didn't really feel like the right thing to turn it down so of course like got myself ready got in the Pirate Studios um, in West London I did, did a lot of practice, I more practice than I would actually probably do um, ordinarily. I, I'm trying to get better right, but I tend to actually not really go on my decks much unless I've got like a gig coming up on it or I've got some new music that I want to try out. Generally, I don't really practice like week to week. Yeah, sometimes the best mixes come off the cuff, don't they? You know, spontaneity in the moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, do you feel like you needed to practice to do that? Or? I feel like, I, like I'm confident in my ability as a DJ, you know, I can mix without clanging, like I can do all of that, but I just felt like I need to know 
this mixer and these decks inside out. I need to know what every button does. I need to know what every foot does, just in case of anything. Like I just want to know that I'm prepared on that side. I was less worried about the music part. Like I can always, I can always pull it around on the music side. So I kind of feel like I just needed like a couple more practice hours. Um, and yeah, like was fine like leading up to it. And on the day, just ended up like a couple hours before being super nervous. And in my head, I was like. I'm, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna pass out. And I kept saying to myself, oh my God, I'm gonna be the first DJ to pass out on a live stream. I was so convinced that this was just gonna just all go belly up. Um, and in the end, it just turned out to be like one of the most fun sets that I did all year. And it's really nice, like it's, um, it's like the boiler room offices. So it's quite like an intimate space. Uh, like loads of my friends were down there and the energy was just really good in the room. It was hot and like people were sweating away, but still like really enjoying it. And I think when you're in it and when you're doing it, you don't necessarily, you can't really take in what's happening. But afterwards, and then I got to watch the video back and be like, oh yeah, I do remember that point or remember on like, or listening back to like some of the transitions and some of the blends, I was like, yeah, you smashed that. I, I like I like how that sounds. So by the end of it, like I was pretty pleased with it like a couple of days after and you know, like people were really complimentary online. Like um, off the back of it, yeah, I just got a lot of like good gigs and um, a lot of nice recognition off the back of it. So yeah. Yeah, and rightfully so, because it, it does come across really well. And like for everyone out there that hasn't listened to that, YouTube, Boiler Room, Katura, you know where to get that. So, yeah. Um, I want to talk about, um, you know, guests leading up to DJing. What, what were your influences, say, growing up? You know, what kind of got you into DJing? So, I was mainly, I guess, growing up into, mainly like into R&B. Um, some hip hop, but, but a lot of R&B, and kind of always like liked, uh, I guess, quote unquote, alternative sounds in in the sense of like non-hip hop and R&B. So like, I think one of the first CDs that I had was like, No Doubt, Don't Speak. I don't know how I ended up with it, but that was I just remember that as being one of the first one of the first records that I had. So I've always kind of had an interest in different types of music, and even like from back then, I used to like make mix CDs. I used to download. Um, <laughs> used to download music legally on sites like uh, what was that site called? Limeware, I think it was called. Yeah, and all the viruses as well, and all that. Yeah, yeah. all the things that come with it. Yeah, and I used to like make make random mix CDs uh, for my friends and like to play out like in my room and that kind of stuff. So I feel like in a way, like there's always been a part of me that wants to like curate sounds and I'm really interested about how sounds fit together and like how you transition between BPMs and moods and vibes. So I think that's always been there. And I think before knowing what DJing was, I was probably somehow like leading to that. Um, so most people are already DJs before they yeah, even know that yeah, because yeah. of what they're into. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I used to play the piano when I was younger. So I feel like that as well probably tuned my ear in a, in a way that helped me to like appreciate sounds and instrumentation um, and that kind of stuff. So I feel like it was sort of like a natural progression to DJ in. Uh, we had decks, I remember, in secondary school, but I never really, yeah, we did, but... What school was that? <laughs> it was in Tillmore, uh, Jeff Joseph uh, Technology College, it was called. Um, yeah, shout out to them, man. Right? <laughs> we had decks in the music room. We had, um, we didn't have like um, Fruity Loops or anything, but we had a, a program called Cubase. Yeah, there yeah. was like a notation one called Sibelius. We had a couple of things and a really good music teacher as well. So I kind of had wanted to start from there, but obviously if they're only in school, you can only ever practice in school. I didn't have any vinyl, so there was no way that was going to happen anyway. So kind of like skip a few years, went to university. One of my really good friends at uni, he was a DJ and tried to teach me like 
I guess garage, house and dancehall are really easy to learn to mix because the, the, the patterns are all the same, like the BPMs are kind of within the same range. It's interesting you say that. A lot of people, you know, don't think that because garage lot of syncopated rhythm. So yeah. it's interesting you say that, you know. Yeah, I, I guess there's, there's, there's sets of garage records that can mix in really easily because they have like the, the same rhythms um, and the same drum patterns and he tried to teach me and I just couldn't get the beat match in and I was like oh this is not meant to be it's crap like clanging all over the place I was just sick of it whatever I'm not doing it and then when I moved to London I was like I'm gonna try it again give it another go um, and then ended up buying turntables had Technics 1210s for a while um, and practiced in my room on them for like six months and that's recording mixes I used to listen to them on the way to work I criticized them loads go back try to record again and then my flatmate at the time used to run parties and he had said like you need to come and play you need to come and play i've heard you in your room like it's time now so like, okay cool let's do it and i went to this venue and they had cdjs and i was just like freaked out my best friend was there luckily and between the two of us we kind of figured out how to pull a set together but after that i eventually ended up just on cdjs and I ended up selling the 1210s because i just needed to practice at home i just needed like to be ready like when i was going into a club or a venue that i could just like completely like be in control of the equipment like as as well as still figuring out like music and what and what what sounds and what what things fit together. So yeah, it was sort of like a got there eventually. Um, a lot of trial and error, a lot of clangs, a lot of like, messing up, a lot of realizing that that definitely doesn't fit with that. Um, but like having a good time in the process, really. I mean, like starting out on twelve tens, like so. Uh, I think there's a lot um, you can benefit a lot from starting out on on you know real decks. Um, but now it's so. It's so cheap to buy DJ controllers. Everyone's got a laptop. Um, do you think a lot of people should be kind of learning how to mix on on uh, real turntables? Or I think it's interesting now. Um, and obviously, I'm by no means any kind of like purist when it comes to DJing. But I think it's I think that the the term DJ probably has changed um, because I feel like back in the day like even like before our time like being a DJ used to refer to someone who mixed you know two records on a turntable and had a certain level of skill and like dexterity um, in dealing with music and as technology has advanced then it's gone from those to like CDJs to um, Serato and like laptop based programs to now to USBs God knows what it's going to be after USBs so I think to an extent the term DJ has, has changed in, in that sense because there's plenty of people who don't know how to mix, don't know how to beat much, but you know would still consider themselves to be a DJ and can still can still are good selectors, can still play a decent sets. So I think for me personally, like what part of the fun of DJing is in like learning to beat match, learning to mix, and I think if you have like 12 tens and you have decks, it teaches you that. And like really, I think it's something like really beautiful about like stopping the drug wheel with your finger and like getting to like turn the record yourself like to make it go faster or make it go slower like to me that's quite fun like i wouldn't bypass all of that to just like hit play on. it's a remote romanticism of the whole thing and it's it's a skill that a lot of people don't have isn't it and the struggle is real there like yeah the people don't realize that i, I totally get that uh, any aspirations to get those decks back i believe we know who's got them you do know who's got them hello tunday <laughs> No, he's been looking after them for, for a good few years now. Um, to be honest, I would like to get um, Dex back again. I probably do have the space now in my in my house to to to, um, to fit them in. But I think it'll, it it would just for me be for me to play at home. Like I don't often play in a lot of clubs or in a lot of venues where they actually have turntables. So it just be for me to have at home really. And I still have like loads of garage vinyl, loads of garage vinyl. Um, so actually, it would be quite nice to just play them every now and then.
And if we can get uh, an exclusive garage set off your vinyl only, feel free anytime. That sounds amazing. Done. Maybe in about five years from now. <laughs> bit more, bit of practice again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, um, slightly off topic. What can you tell us about Romance FC? Ah, Romance. That is, yeah. <laughs> Romance is uh, the football team that I play for. Um, we're a community-based team based in East London. Uh, very grass. Started off very grassroots. Um, so I kind of played football as a kid, and then. Sort of like in the street with my cousins at school, um, and if I'd had the opportunity, like would have tried to pursue it further. But there was no girls' teams like when I was in school or in university. So when I moved to London, like one of my colleagues at the time and said, like I play on this team, it's really fun. You should come along, and went and like just ended up fitting right in really. Um, so like six, seven, eight years since 20, 2012, we've been playing for the team, and sort of like it's been at this. I guess I don't know if it's been at the same time, and I don't know. Uh, if it was coincidental but it feels like the growth of women's football has been in line with kind of our growth because when we started off we were like couldn't really find any other local teams we were playing against ourselves most of the time um, there wasn't really the opportunity of like for, to find leagues um, with like women's teams and in the past five six years it feels like it's really grown like there's women's teams all over London now you know most of the um, the Premier uh, League clubs have got like academies I guess Manchester United like were the last day only just like established their women's team this year but um, a lot of the Premier League sides did have that and through that it's just been great in terms of maybe coincidentally pretty much everyone on the team is a creative in some capacity so we've collaborated loads and like music stuff and fashion and like being able to work together and off the back of that we've done stuff with you know like different brands and campaigns and the FA and Nike um, lots of cool stuff really so it's more than just the football there's like a community aspect to it as well and also like uh, like we're really really passionate about pushing it forward and like trying to get as many like young girls into football as possible because it's like just so much fun see it's more than about the music and just out of a uh, you know curiosity who do you support? I support Man City Ooh. I think I was, I grew up, in primary school I sort of supported United and then uh, one of my aunties lived near Main Road so I feel like there's a connection there, like a natural connection because I was always like around City fans. Um, on game day the whole area is just flooded and they're everywhere. Um, so yeah, a City supporter. Okay, can't argue with that so much, can't argue. Do you support? United, isn't it? Come on. You feel like I should be a blue? Oh, horrible words. Uh, okay, moving on, moving on. Uh, I think people want to know where they can get you on social, so now is your time to promote. Say what you want to say. Um, yeah, so Katura, uh, my website is katura.com, K number two, IH.com. Uh, all of my radio shows are on there, DJ mixes, there's a link to download them as well, um, as well as like. DJ gigs and then where you can find me playing and then on the socials it's at K number two R-A-H underscore so that's Instagram and Twitter and yeah man give me a shot and uh, finally what is what is coming up next for you um, any any gigs you play in or where people can come check you play you know let us know yeah so the next oh no because by then it'll be March won't it oh I was going to say I'm playing here at the end of January that makes no sense um, don't have any festival bookings yet. 
Well, I know you just played uh, Ghana, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, how was that? So, yeah, I ended up accidentally actually playing in Ghana twice. Um, there's a festival called Afro Nation, which I ended up playing at. Um, a DJ dropped out at the last minute, and I was sort of like reluctant to do it because I didn't have my USBs, um, didn't have any music on me. Uh, and I just like was really conscious about like not going abroad and playing a rubbish set. So I was like, nah, I'd rather just do it when I've got, you know, all my music there. Like I can figure out what the vibe should be and that kind of stuff. And in the end, I was like, forget this, like borrowed a laptop, spent a couple hours like downloading music, put them all into a folder on record box, borrowed some USBs and some headphones. And it ended up being a really good set. It's a really fun set. It was like right on the beach, like 10 feet from the water, um, like people dancing in the sun. That was really fun. And then the second set, um, connected with there's a producer called Gafachi um, he makes like uh, electronic music but it's very heavily influencing like afro sound so there's like a lot of afro bass I guess you would call it uh, and him and some of his like music friends have put on uh, a party so I ended up playing with them again and that was cool because I ended up meeting a lot of like musicians and artists and other producers um, so I definitely want to go back to Ghana it's a great place and uh, finally so uh, anyone you want to shout out, um, any new producers or old producers, anyone you think people should be listening to right now? Uh, well, first up, shout out to you guys, shout out to Left and Right. Um, I think it's really good that there's a hub and a home in Manchester for Future Beats and people that like want to push that scene. Because I think uh, a lot of the people I know that do that are all London-based. I don't really know anyone in Manchester. so. Respect to you guys for doing that. Um, and producer-wise, I think uh, a couple of artists I want to shout out. There is a rapper from Manchester. His name is Toby Samola. Um, he raps, songwrites, produces, engineers, mixes, masters. Um, has a very unique style. Like I'm really rooting for him um, in the next decade. I really do think he's got something special. Uh, there's another guy called Mundu. He is an R&B artist from London. Also singer, songwriter, producer, mixer, master, engineers, does all of that. I think I'm quite, I think I naturally gravitate to people who kind of own all of their music in the sense of that they can do every aspect of it. That's really impressive to me. Mundu's another one. Uh, producers, gosh, so many. Uh, Kevin Kofi, he is based in Belgium, uh, making some really interesting hybrid of like electronic and ballet and afro also Gafachi, as i mentioned i think he's really talented uh gosh who else put me on the spot now uh another guy called kenzo really good producer up and coming um kenzai who i had on my show uh, recently he makes afro inspired like i guess it's more like global dance music there's there's loads honestly <laughs> i could be here all day we could, we could, because there is that many, but uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for taking the time out today. I know you're a very, very busy person, and I, uh, I believe you've got a mix coming up for us? Yes. Okay, so if you're listening, stay in tune for that. And thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Hey, my name's Katura, and you are listening to Left and Right.
these days I'm letting God handle all things above me The things I can't change are the reason you love me Listen, you can hear them calling my name I'm all over the place, I can't sit in one place I'm not ashamed at all Still finding myself, let alone a soulmate, I'm just saying Feel like we one and the same, our relationship changed That already never existed Whenever they say something about us, you listen Fuck what they talking about on your timeline That's cutting all into my time with you Fuck what they talking about on your timeline That's cutting all into my time with you My time with you, my
like a girl And he got nice stories to tell See both sides like Chanel See on both sides like Chanel Swimming like school water Eating like I'm underwater Have my tattoos in Shibuya Police think I'm out the underworld Why I treat a nigga like he's wild How you looking up to me and talking down Can't you see I am the big man How level I am the I am I fill up with the drunk hand And I pick the killer cans I don't wanna stick away So close I wanna kill Fell on your lower back Yeah, good Think of my eyes back in the scrub
So this is Mitchell Yard and you're listening to Left and Right. Take a look at what you 
Live Shack West, bitch, I'm dying Shack West. 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 Live Shack Baby, 
Thanks again to Ketura. Take your time out to come on the show. Do the interview in the mix. Make sure you check out Foundation FM, listen to her show. She always has new guests on. And you can listen back to all those guests on soundcloud.com slash SoFutureClub. This is White Bear in the mix. See us out.
Sweat. 